Well, hey, Hope City, it's great to be with you as we continue this series that we started last week called Wanderings. We're looking at the Israelites as they wander through the desert. They've left slavery in Egypt and they're on their way to the promised land. Now, last week we mentioned how we might individually feel like we're wandering through desert seasons, but also even collectively as a church community, we can find ourselves kind of Well, things are uncertain. Things aren't for sure. It's a little confusing. And for clarity's sake, we are landing on and kind of launching this new slogan statement, if you will, that Hope City Church is ordinary people following an extraordinary God together. And over these 11 weeks, we we will see some parallels uh, between us and the people of Israel, right? And how that plays out when we wander these desert seasons. But I think it's important to see this statement and how it describes us as a church, Right? This is our slogan. This is our just do it or breakfast of champions or whatever. But it, it helps us see who we are. How we follow God is still some of the same verbiage we've used before of encountering Jesus, growing together, serving the church, and impacting our world. That's how we do the Great Commission, how we make disciples, how we follow God together. But we've got to understand who we are. And that is ordinary people following an extraordinary God together. Because I believe as we go through desert seasons, who we are and our understanding of who we are will affect how we respond. You might feel like you're in a desert season relationally, emotionally, spiritually, physically. And how we see ourselves, who we are, how we identify ourselves will help us navigate that desert season. And as we read this text, you just heard it read there coming out of Exodus Uh, chapter 33, we look at the Israelites and we see an element or an identification of who they are. They are a stubborn and selfish people. They wouldn't necessarily put that in their slogan statement, like, hey, we're the Israelites, we're stubborn and selfish. But it it is becoming a part of their reality that we see that expressed in Exodus chapter 33. And God says that clearly to Moses and to the people. Why? Because God is done. He's just like, I'm I'm done. In 33 verse 3, we saw this. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go with you because you are a stiff-necked people and I might destroy you on the way. Yeah, see, God is just like, "Mm -mm, we're done. And he's telling them, I'm willing to lead you to the promised land. We'll open the door and allow you to go in, but I'm not going with you. I'm not going in there. And they've repeatedly Up until this point throughout Exodus, you've seen the people of Israel repeatedly choose life without God. They just said, no, we can do this on our own. We can do life without God. And so God is like, fine. You want to do life without me? Go ahead. This is what you've ordered. This is what I'm going to give you, right? It's kind of like a barista at Starbucks. I was recently there and doing a little bit of work and and listening to some of the orders And talking with the baristas, I asked them, what are some of the craziest orders you've ever had where you're like, I don't know how that's going to taste good, but we'll make it anyways, right? These Starbucks baristas told me one time somebody ordered an apple juice with shots of chai mixed in with chocolate milk and they put it over ice. Again, the apple juice, chocolate milk, chai tea, ice, and they stir it all up. And and the barista's like, again, I don't know how that's going to taste good, but it's my job to make what you order. So there you go. Another one was, they they said, somebody ordered a steamed latte. This is her drink of choice. Apparently, she's a regular. Steamed latte, make it all like you would as a hot drink. Then they said, she orders it blended over ice. 
blended over ice. So make this really hot drink, pour it over ice, blend it all together, that's what I want. And they're just like, like when she comes through the drive-thru, they just kind of question themselves, like it seems redundant, but okay, that's what you've ordered. And God is like the barista to the Israelites. You've ordered a vente-sized promised land without God? Well, you got it, right? You wanna do life without me? You got it, here you go, this is what you're gonna get, right? And that's what they're ordering and that's what God is giving them. And what does this moment reveal to us? It reveals their selfishness, their stubbornness, their stiff-neckedness, right? But it, it's their sinfulness. The things that we're going to be talking about over the course of this series, over the 11-week series that we are doing, we're going to talk about complaining and rebelling against authority, creating false gods, taking control of our own lives away from God, things like that. But this desert season is highlighting their brokenness, their flaws. Broken people putting their trust in their brokenness is separating them from God. The whole point of the Exodus was to be in relationship with God. God wanted to be in relationship with the people of Israel, but they chose themselves. They chose other gods. They chose their own way of doing it. And that drives a wedge between them and God. And so God is, okay, fine. You want the reward, but you don't want God. And he's willing to serve that up. And he makes this declaration to Moses and to the people. And you read that, right? We heard that, uh, that was read earlier. And what is Moses and the people's response? They freak out. It says that they start crying and mourning and asking God, why, why would you leave us, right? It's like the moment we've been pushing God away and then God says, fine, you don't want to be with me? And then they're like, wait, God, why would you leave us? Why would you abandon us? Why won't you come with us? And Moses pleads with God to reconsider. We see this in Exodus 33, verse 15 and 16. It says that Moses said to God, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? So Moses is declaring that, God, if you're not going to go with us, we don't want to go. We don't want to just go into this promised land, into this paradise without you. We need you. Right? It won't be the same without you. Your presence it is, is what makes it special. It's what makes it good, right? Without God's presence in the promised land, it's not going to be the same. It reminded me of uh, some conversations April and I had had recently. We are booking a vacation. We're going to be uh, at the end of next month going away for a little bit and getting some, some rest and restoration. It's going to be great. And we were brainstorming, where do we want to go? Where do we want to go visit? And, and I like the idea of seeing somewhere new and, and experiencing a part of the world that we hadn't been to before. And one area that we've never been is the Northeast, New York, Boston, that whole area. And we kind of kicked around the idea of like, what would it be like to go to New York? And then the reality hit like, well, we probably, because of the time of year, wouldn't be able to get tickets to go see Jimmy Fallon or SNL. Uh, the Statue of Liberty may not have the same access. You may not get packed onto a little boat and go out to see the Statue of Liberty in the same way or the Empire State Building. Things might be closed off. You know, I, I'm a big baseball fan. I'd want to see Yankee Stadium or uh, just those different sites, you know, I want to eat a slice of New York pizza that's as big as my face and I want to walk down the street eating the, the New York food and embracing the culture. But the reality is, is we're still in this wave of COVID and so people will be masked and spread out and some attractions may be closed off. 
all that money we'd spend to go to New York City and to not really experience New York City. I don't really want to go if I can't see the sights and experience it all the same way. Moses is telling God the same thing. You can send us to the promised land, but if you're not going with us, it's not going to be the same. Your presence is what makes it amazing. Your presence is what distinguishes us. That's what he says, right? In, In verse 16, how else? Will you distinguish us as your people? How will we know that you're pleased with us? And what is he saying there? Without the presence of God, these are ordinary people. These are just average Joes. And we see this in the book of Deuteronomy. Later, Moses records this. In the book of Deuteronomy, God is describing his relationship with Israel. And look at some of the language used to reiterate their ordinariness, right? I don't mean to demean people, but just to show without the presence of God, These are average people. These are ordinary people. Deuteronomy 7, verse 7 and 8 says, The Lord did not set his affection on you or choose you because you were more numerous than other peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But it is because the Lord loved you. Think about that verse. He says, He did not set his affection on you because you were the most numerous, most powerful, most influential people. In fact, what does he say? You're the fewest of the people in all the nations surrounding that area. But guess what? God loved you. God chose you. God loved you first. He didn't love you because you were powerful or influential or amazing. Loved you because he made you and he wanted to be with you. There's 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 an averageness to what's being described there. They weren't amazing, but God loved them. Right? Deuteronomy 9.6 says something similar, but shows another facet of it. It says, understand then, it is not because of your righteousness that God, that the Lord your God is giving you this good land to possess, for you are a stiff-necked people. Let me read that again. Understand then, it is not because of your righteousness that the Lord your God is giving you the land to possess. It is not because they are amazing and they check all the boxes and do all the right things and they are super righteous. It is not because they are holy that God is giving them the promised land. It is not because they are numerous that God first loved them. No, they are ordinary, just average people on the face of the earth, but God loved them first and his presence with them is what distinguishes them. His presence with them is what shows that he loves them and cares for them and he is with them. It is what makes them special. Is what makes them extraordinary. Jesus tells us the same thing, that we are ordinary people that get to participate in the extraordinary, that get to engage in the extraordinary because of the Holy Spirit. You see, the same presence that was with the Israelites in the desert is promised to be in us and with us and empower us. Before Jesus ascended up to heaven, he gathered the disciples together, and we see this at the beginning of the book of Acts. He gathers these average guys. You got tax collectors and fishermen and just uneducated blue collar dudes. And Jesus gathers them up. And he says, I want you to wait in the city. I know you're really amped up and excited because I'm back from the grave. I'm resurrected. And that's awesome. You want to go tell everyone and their mother about me right now. But he says what? He says, wait. In Acts chapter 1, he says, wait, because the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. Wait, average dudes, average Joes, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. And he says in Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will become my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. 
You see, Jesus is promising that the Spirit of God, the presence of God, the power of God is poured out on these normal, ordinary people. That they would go do incredible things. They would go see the expansion of the early church. They would go get to engage in the expansion and the ministry that God had for them. But these average guys needed something first before they could leave. What is it? They needed the presence of God. They needed the Spirit of God in their life. Jesus talks about how the Holy Spirit is in us in John chapter 14. He says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. Hear that? To be with you forever. The Spirit of truth, you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. The presence of God, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit is with you. Jesus says what? In you. The same presence of God that led the people through the desert, the same power of God that resurrected Jesus from the grave is going to be in and with the disciples. And that is still true for us today in 2021. The Spirit of God is in us. Jesus is laying it out. This is the secret sauce, guys. This is what takes us from ordinary to extraordinary. This is what distinguishes us. We are normal people without the presence of God in our life, but the presence of God, the Spirit of God, the power of God, the Holy Spirit is in us. And that is what makes us unique and special and distinguishable. You know, I want to think about it. Let's illustrate it with food because I love food. Let's illustrate it with food for a moment. Think about what makes Kentucky Fried Chicken so great, right? I've never met somebody that doesn't like Kentucky Fried Chicken. Now, you know, you might now just to be different. But most people love Kentucky Fried Chicken. And why? It's not like they raise their chicken to eat special organic food. Uh, I'm guessing they aren't getting the pampered life treatment out on the Kentucky Fried Chicken farms, right? This is probably low-class chicken meat that is processed. It is then done what? What makes that chicken that is just kind of low-caliber meat, chicken parts, right? But what makes it next level? It's all those special seasonings that the colonel cooked up, right? Good old Colonel Sanders. He cooked up that special recipe of seasonings and things. And when you put that on that regular, bland, ordinary chicken, Next level Kentucky Fried Finger looking good, right? That's what it is. And what Moses is saying and what Jesus is saying is, man, without the Spirit of God, we are like raw chicken. I mean, take a look. Here's a picture. This is just raw chicken, right? Picture up on the screen. There it is. Without the seasonings, that chicken is bland. It is meh. It is not appetizing. It is not engaging. It is not extraordinary. It is just chicken. But you put that seasoning on it, mmm. I want it. Moses is saying without the presence of God, his people are just like a plate of raw chicken. They're just ordinary. They're just average. They're just meh. Jesus is saying, guys, before you go out in all the world, you need the Holy Spirit because otherwise you're going to do life on your own strength. You're going to try to expand the church on your own capacity, on your own knowledge, on your own strength and talent and abilities. He's saying you need the power of God. You need the spirit of God in your life. And that is the secret seasoning of life that the kernel, or in this case, the creator, gives us. And he pours out on us. In thinking and looking at this text, it is understanding that the Holy Spirit will lead our lives from wander to wonder. The Holy Spirit's presence in our lives will lead us from a time of wander to a time of wonder. 
Think about it. God's Spirit leads us out of a time of wandering. The people of Israel followed the presence of God, the pillar of smoke, the pillar of fire, wherever it went. They were no longer wandering the desert. They were being directed and guided through the desert. Jesus says that the Spirit of God in our life guides us, it directs us, it leads us into truth. In John 16, 13, he says, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He's there to to direct you, to lead you. Matthew 10, 19 through 20, Jesus says that, that the Holy Spirit's presence in our life will guide or direct our words, our speech. Matthew 10, 19 and 20. Do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. What is it? What does all that mean? I mean, I think sometimes in, in our lives, we're kind of going through it haphazardly, unintentionally, accidentally, right? Our conversations are just kind of whatever happens. Our parenting is just kind of in the heat of the moment. Our marriages are being directed kind of haphazardly. And we chalk things up to coincidence or serendipity and whatever. But what Jesus is saying here. So the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives directs our conversations, leads our speech, inspires our words, directs our understanding of truth. He guides us and takes us from wandering around in truth ambiguity, wandering around in a haphazard conversation, and he leads us and directs us into an intentional conversation, an intentional time of parenting our children, an intentional engaging dialogue with our spouse, an intentional conversation with our unsaved co-workers that we work with or our classmates that we're trying to reach for Jesus. It is the Holy Spirit leading us into intentionality, not wandering through blindlessly, aimlessly, whatever. The Holy Spirit leads us from wander to wonder. Another way this gets uh, kind of played out is the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit allows us to participate in moments of wonder. God is going to do miraculous things around us, and we get to see that, witness that, engage in that, participate in that. Think of the people of Israel, right? God's presence is with them, and when his presence is with them, they experience wonder. They experience the wonder of God, the impossible, the amazing. Water gushes from a rock. I mean, like literally came out of a rock. Manna fell from heaven and fed them. The Red Sea split and they walked through it. Like you got to see wondrous things, people. Because why? The Spirit of God was with them. The Spirit of God leads them out of wonder and into the wonder. Jesus says the same thing would happen. And, right when the, when the presence of God is with us, and we see this happen in Acts chapter 2 with the early church. They're at the day of Pentecost. They're waiting in the upper room. They're worshiping. They're praying. They're waiting on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit shows up and is poured out on them. And the Apostle Peter, the Apostle Peter who betrayed Jesus and, and, and denied knowing him and was described as a wavering, wheat, a wavering reed that would be blown by the wind of culture. And yet here's Peter who gets up and he preaches and he, 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 he sees 3,000 people get saved. But as he's sharing, he, he quotes the Old Testament prophet Joel. And listen to the words of Joel. In, in Acts chapter 2, verse 19, Peter quotes Joel saying, I will show wonders in the heaven 
above and signs on the earth below. That he, Joel, as, he's, as Peter is preaching, he talks about Joel pouring out his spirit on all people. That his spirit is poured out on all people and they're going to have visions, they're going to dream dreams, they're going to prophesy. And he says that verse, I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below. That we are present with the spirit of God. The spirit of God is present with us and he is in us and he is moving through us. And we get to see the wonders of heaven touch earth. We follow in an extraordinary God that is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present, and he wants to partner with us in doing the impossible so we get to participate in these moments of wonder with us. See, that's the extraordinary part of following an extraordinary God. That's the wonder as we shift from wandering. The last part that I would want to kind of talk about for a moment is this idea of, of moving from wander to wonder is God's spirit causes others to see something different in us and they begin to wonder. They're not, I mean, they're wandering, right? But God's spirit causes others to see something different in you and I because it's the presence of God. They're going to see God's spirit and they're going to wonder what's different about you. What, what is unique about you? Moses in that verse we read in chapter 33 said that his spirit is what would distinguish us from other nations, right? He cries out to God, God, don't leave us because you are the distinguishing factor. You are the secret sauce, the special seasoning, right? But he's, the, he's telling them, man, this is the thing that makes us stand out from other cultures. And we see this in Deuteronomy verse, chapter four, verse seven, when describing the people of Israel, Moses is writing these words and he's writing it as if He's writing from the perspective of, of a surrounding culture, of a surrounding nation that would see the people of Israel and see the closeness and the presence of God in their lives. And they would begin to wonder, what is up with those people? Deuteronomy 4, 7. What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him? What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him. You see, Moses is talking about the comparison that outside nations are going to have and, and the people of Israel are realizing that that's the distinguishing factor. That's the thing. People are looking at the people of Israel saying, man, we worship gods, but they don't feel as present and as wondrous and as amazing and as uh, all-knowing and as all-powerful and as all-present as your God is. There's something about the way your relationship is with that God that's just different. And see, what Moses is describing is that surrounding nations would begin to wonder what's different. We see the same curiosity in folks in the New Testament. In Acts chapter 4, right after Pentecost and after the Holy Spirit has been poured out, after Peter preaches and 3,000 people get saved, Peter and John, uh, they help heal a man a man that couldn't walk, and, and he gets up and he's healed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Boom, right? Man, that guy's excited, but there are people watching and they begin to wonder like, what is going on? How did that happen? And there's a moment of heated debate and conversation that goes back and forth. And, and Peter, this ordinary guy, blue collar dude, just begins to speak truth in this context of the temple, begins to spout out 
what was happening and why God was doing this and what was going on. And the people watching, the observers, the spectators, the people in the temple at that time began looking at Peter and looking at John. And this is what it says in Acts chapter 4, verse 13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized they were unschooled, ordinary men. Let me say that again. They could recognize and they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. They saw something different. These guys have been with God. These guys have been with Jesus. They they have an aroma of Jesus that is just coming out of them. These ordinary dudes that are uneducated, blue collar, they they got blisters on their hands from all the hard labor that they had been doing prior to their time with Jesus. And yet, there's boldness, there's confidence, There's truth, there's inspired speech, there's something different. And the people watching and looking around, they wondered, how is this possible? Who are these guys? What was going on? There's a wonder that begins to take place. When when we are in our, our work environments around unchurched people, they will see something different and they will wonder. When you're in a home where maybe your spouse or your kids or family members don't follow Jesus like you do, they're going to see something different and they're going to begin to wonder what's going on. When you walk into Starbucks and engage with the barista a little bit differently, when you walk into the store and you show politeness, when you show generosity, when you are kind when nobody else is kind, people are going to begin to see something different and they will begin to wonder, what's up with you? Why are you different? What's going on? And you know what they're going to see? They're going to see not your strength, your talent, your capacity, your kindness. They're going to see the work of the Holy Spirit working through you. And I, I'm curious How many of us are going through life right now without the Holy Spirit? How many of us are trying to go through each day wandering these deserts, wandering this difficulty, wandering the confusion, wandering our marriages and our parenting and our jobs and our futures and our careers and all of these things? We're wandering the fact that our kids have moved out. We're empty nesters. We're in a new season of life and we're just trying to do this, but we're not We're not dependent upon the Holy Spirit's presence in our life. We're not like Moses standing there before God in a moment of honesty saying, God, I can't go into this season without you. I can't lead my marriage. I can't lead my kids. I can't go into this workplace alone. How many of us are pleading for an awareness and a a closeness and a presence of the Holy Spirit to be present with us? Instead, we're trying to build our marriage. We're trying to raise our kids. We're trying to represent Jesus to our unchurched coworkers. We're trying to serve our city and evangelize our city and care for other people in need. But we're going to do it on our own strength, our own capacity, our own knowledge, our own truth. Can we invite him in to each moment and say, God, I can't do this without you? I'll be honest. Some of the most wonderful moments that I can remember are when we slow down and invite God into those moments. Try to do that every time 
I prepared a message. God, what do you want to say? God, Holy Spirit, be with me. Inspire my speech for what you want to say. Sometimes when I walk into Starbucks or I walk into a community meeting with community leaders or I'm walking into an opportunity, you know what I'm doing? Holy Spirit, be with me. Anoint this conversation. Bless this conversation. You want to know how we got the outlets for $500 for three weeks of usage? I believe it's because the Holy Spirit was present, opened up a door, right? But I was praying, man. I was contending. I was pleading for God, wherever you're going to lead me, I don't want to go alone. I need you. When I go into a tough conversation with my kids, as I'm trying to parent them and direct them and, and, and sometimes discipline them, my best times are when I stop and say, God, I need wisdom right now. God, I need your words right now. I need your patience right now. I need your love right now. And we are just surrendering the moment, surrendering ourselves and saying, God, I don't want to do this alone. What's going to make me different? What's going to make you different? What makes us distinguishable and beyond ordinary people is the presence of God in and through our lives. The Holy Spirit moving in and through our lives. And I'll tell you what, it's not complicated. I think in Pentecostal churches especially, we try to overcomplicate this stuff and try to make it all over-spiritualized. Jesus just says, ask, seek, wait. The Holy Spirit is a gift from God. He said the Holy Spirit is a gift from the Father. This isn't something that you and I need to conjure up. It isn't something that we need to manipulate, something that we need to control. I think we just need to ask and invite him into that time, just like Moses standing there before God. I don't want to go if you're not in it. I don't want to do this if you're not going to be a part of it. I don't want to be a part of this conversation. I don't want to go here. I don't want to do this. God, if you're not present, so Holy Spirit, come be with me. The Holy Spirit, God's presence, the Holy Spirit will lead us from wandering to a time of wondering. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for the gift that you pour out on us, the Holy Spirit, that your presence, God, is with your people. It is in your people. It is moving through your people. It is empowering your people. And I thank you, God, that you loved us first. You don't pour out your spirit because we do enough or because we're good enough or we measure up. But Holy Spirit, right now in this moment, we just ask for an outpouring of your presence, of your spirit, that you begin to direct our words, direct our actions, lead us with an intentionality. We don't want to live our lives haphazardly or by coincidence or just by the seat of our pants, God. We want to lead. We want to live our lives by your leading. And I pray that you would be with us and make your presence known. And we wait and we ask and we seek to be with you. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us. Thank you, Jesus, for being with us. In your name we pray. Amen. If you'd like more information regarding Hub City Church, find us at thehubcitychurch.com. Thanks for listening.